Hello, I'm Sam Pudwell, and welcome to the Red Lorry, Yellow Lorry Talking Tech Comms podcast. For this episode, I spoke to London Lorry Emma Davis about the world of enterprise IT PR. As well as highlighting some of the marketing challenges IT businesses today are facing, we spoke about the changing structure of marketing teams and how we as an agency are having to change the way we work with clients. So let's dive right in and see what she had to say. Hello Emma, how are you doing? Hi Sam, I'm great. It's a sunny day here for once. I think it's the first bit of sunshine we've had, isn't it? Yeah, so. I think it is. Yeah, and your first time on the Red Lorry, Yellow Lorry podcast. I know, you've, you've finally got through to me. We've and dragged you am. in. Yeah, literally was in a headlock, listeners, <laughs> in, into the meeting room. Um, <laughs> don't worry, I wasn't actually. <laughs> so, we're here today to talk about how enterprise IT PR is changing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we know that PR itself is changing a lot in not just enterprise IT, but with B2C and all other areas of PR, with digital and everything coming to the play, there's a lot of change going on. And with that, um, the way we work and how we work with clients are changing as well. So that's kind of the things we're going to cover today. Perhaps we can start with a bit about your background and your experience and why you're qualified to be talking about this issue today. Yeah, so I, um, I've, I've been in tech PR for around five or so years. Mm-hmm. Um, before then, B2B tech, I should say. Um, before then, I actually worked in public affairs, started my career during the expenses scandal. So um, anyone good at maths, quick maths listening might be able to work out how old I am. Um, I was 21. Um, And yeah, so I I think it's obviously was a baptism of fire going straight into kind of politics and comms and during the expenses scandal. And um, I got out in about 2012 um, and decided that technology was kind of more future-proof than politics in a way and, and that there was more optimism there and more to look forward to. Um, and yeah, I didn't, haven't looked back since. So You made the right decision, you think, then? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think uh, time will tell, but um, it's all going well so far, um, especially at the lorries. Um, I think we've had a great range of clients and we've got a great client base um, from a whole spectrum of different kinds of technology from kind of... Um, more traditional IT, enterprise IT software to, to some on the fringes that are, are trying to bring in um, kind of some more of the cutting edge technologies mm. such as blockchain, artificial intelligence yeah. um, into the kind of working day. So um, yeah, a lot to think about. Okay, great. Um, so let's, get, let's dive right into it then. First question for you then, Emma. Mm-hmm. From a PR marketing point of view, um, what what are the main challenges that the brands, both big and small, um, in the enterprise IT space are facing at the moment? There seems to be a hell of a lot of competition between yeah. vendors. And there's also a, a bit of a challenge in that there's a tendency for, for quite similar messaging to emerge mm. uh, between similar software companies. Maybe it's out of a fear of, of not saying those things. Um, for example, you know, cyber security, you hear things like, we are, you know, there's no silver bullet or, you know, we're, we're fighting cybercrime. And, you know, while that's true, it, it's important also to look at your differentiators because technically anyone could say that. Yeah. Um, so it, while it's important to have it in there, you also need to think about how you're different. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's quite tricky, not just for marketeers, but across the business. And, um, and then that's where we come in. So that's, 
a point of where we we start really is looking at bringing out those differentiators and, and getting people to think in those terms. There's also a gap between the customer point of view of, of the perception of, of the vendor mm-hmm. versus how the vendor wants to be perceived versus what the journalist thinks you are. Right, okay. And again, it's it's about making the links between all of the audiences, mm. but at the same time, not alienating the customer by talking about something too left field from what you do. Yeah. So again, it, it's a bit. It can be a bit of a minefield, which is why it's it's more important than ever when you're taking on PR to define those audiences right at the start of the journey, mm-hmm. rather than uh, doing the opposite. And I, I think that's. That's, that can be a challenge as well. Yeah, that um, that perception gap, if you like, you mentioned just then, is that a, more of an issue for the bigger, more established companies or is it something startups kind of struggle with as well? It's it's a challenge for, for all businesses, maybe particularly for startups, because they spend so long internalising who they are yeah. and what they're doing without that external input. By the time it comes to thinking about that, they're somewhat self-referential and they're using words and ideas that the outside world doesn't really understand. Right, okay. So there's a lot more work to be done, I think, for startups on on that front and and maybe a bit of a knowledge gap of of kind of of the need for that, particularly if, you know, you're doing something really cool and you've got a phone call from the FT out of the blue and then you might think it's kind of plain sailing from there on in and you can kind of wing it with with some kind of enthusiastic spokespeople mm. um, while that does play a part it's important to do the kind of bread and butter yeah on on on, on kind of how you want to be perceived as well and, and, and benefit driven for your potential customers yeah okay and what about um what about budgets budgets is um you know a bit of an issue in kind of the PR space has been for a long time mm-hmm. um in terms of whether companies actually have the money to, to put towards marketing and PR, whether they want to put it towards marketing and PR. How is kind of the budget issue changing at the moment or, or how, how do we stand with it at the moment? There's more pressure than ever on technology companies to do more with less and particularly where the sales cycle is involved. We know that B2B is a far longer sales cycle than consumer, but there's, there's sometimes such a sense of urgency mm. that th- that's almost forgotten and then there's more pressure on PR to deliver lead generation for example yeah. sooner than perhaps it would organically right okay but having said that the way that PR services have evolved and the integration of of digital for example it is possible if you target the right audience mm. to be more strategic and and, and incorporate that lead gen into into your activity okay. as well as the the general brand awareness yeah. um so yeah i think that there's a microscope on budget not just from pr showing value for money but also and um, sorry um clients and, and kind of vendors generally to to, to demonstrate where the money's going and how yeah. it's impacting the bottom line of the business yeah so does that does that point there link into maybe some cynicism around the value of PR and marketing, like you say, is there, 
obviously it depends on on the business and perhaps the industry the state of the industry to some regard um but does the budget issue tie into how people perceive pr and, and what they think they're going to get out get out of it versus what they actually are going to get out of it no one will be surprised that coverage generation has has long been kind of slightly intangible in terms of of what it actually does yeah we know we know that um you know we can we can quote figures we can quote statistics on on shareability on audience reach Mm. um you know you can you can show you can you can make correlations between campaigns of brand awareness and, and and sales but as kind of teams like marketing teams get smaller and new people are brought into the fold who perhaps have got commercial responsibility on on their head mm-hmm. on a daily basis by way of targets or otherwise um obviously they would be cynical of pr because they would think well i've got a target on my head why what's your ta- you've got a target on your head but somehow yeah. my target seems more serious because i could you know potentially lose my job if I don't make a quarterly sale you know figure etc yeah so I mean I think uh, you know when all pieces of the puzzle of communications there's always going to be some um some tension but then I think on the on the flip side we're fully aware of that Mm. and as a result I think PR has become a lot more focused in recent years at least as far as I've seen over the last five years on aligning with business objectives not just on a kind of quarterly basis but let but more so as we go in terms of how the business is doing and and where we're filling the gaps and and what needs to be stepped up um so i I think there's a yes there is a level of cynicism but i think it can be um, disproved and you can get people on board if if you have the right strategy yeah you touched on just there about um kind of the developing structure of of you know, different marketing communications teams, if you like, with people from perhaps different areas of the business coming into this comms kind of mm-hmm. team. Um, so is this changing at the moment? It sounds like the makeup of what traditionally might have been a comms or marketing team is changing slightly with more perhaps commercially minded people coming in um, and changing the way PR marketing is run or the way it's kind of geared towards the business goals. Um, so is, is that kind of something you're seeing generally across clients? Is, does it vary between certain industries? Um, or is it kind of, you know, everyone's kind of shifting that way a little bit? The people who are now considering the, the importance of PR are not the traditional people that um, have has, has been the case in, in, say, the last 20 or so years. Right. For example, you know, we've seen the rise of startups. Mm. Um, in, in the UK and the influx of innovation and everyone wanting to compete to be you know the next intermediary for the sharing economy and yeah and so from kind of serial entrepreneurs to engineers that have got a, a good idea there's a that, that you need to get out there to the world there's, there's a whole kind of influx of different personality types and different skill sets that are all Mm. kind of passionate about PR but they wear many hats yeah so it's not there they're not focused on PR they're just they know that it has to be done to a certain certain degree well yes yes um 
yes and no I mean I think there's some of them you know get the taste for the TED talk and things like that <laughs> and, and the, the profiling the and name up in lights and yeah and you know all wear, wearing a, a black roll neck and <laughs> yeah you know wanting to be the next Steve Jobs and things like that so so I think that the it's it's diversifying a lot in terms of who who's thinking about it and, and who who's seeing its importance but then you know the old-fashioned kind of IT conglomerate with the PR manager with the, with the kind of pro- process in place and, and is is kind of on the wane. I think okay. um, you know it still exists. Um, you know because you know because people have it. You know as a, as a integral part of the, the business. But then you've also got all these new kinds of businesses that we have to adapt to. Mm. So we can't go to say. Um, a blockchain startup with a kind of strategy that would would fit a um, you know someone with with a year pl- who knows what they get what their plan is over five years because they may might not exist in six months. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it it makes it a different, more kind of high octane climate. But then we have to be more of a, an extension of their team mm. and and ready on the fly to help out with whatever they need, whether that's internal comms, um, you know, support pitching to investors or, you know, then, or or doing a speaking opportunity at the last minute. It seems like there's, um, the the rug's been kind of pulled out for those kinds of businesses and and we have to be kind of agile in in order to to provide, um, you know, the right service for them. Okay, so that's interesting. So as well as them having to adapt internally in terms of their teams or structure, mm. us as an agency are also having to change the way we deal with clients and like you say, being more of an, a closer extension of their team rather than this outside agency that's just going to, you know, be there and kind of following a, a year-long plan to mm. get this, this and this out at this time or that kind of thing. Exactly. So, you know, we do have our quarterly planning process and you know uh, and so we do have we, we do encourage that obviously but then we know the reality can be quite different yeah. um, and we and they and clients often don't know where financial pressures come from and, and things like that so I think we're in a position here where as we we have the small teams mm-hmm. and we people get a lot of face time with clients that really equips you well to get under the skin of the client and yeah. and and be that um, extra those extra staff members, okay. that I think is is what people are kind of increasingly needing. Yeah. Um, looking at, for example, how so what we normally do when we take on a new client is think, okay, well, what pressures are you under on a daily basis? What needs, who who is putting you under that pressure? And how can we alleviate that mm-hmm. and with our working practices so you're not getting an influx of opportunities that you haven't got time to respond to? Yeah. Um, so how can we manage that so you're getting the maximum um, ROI out of us without us kind of um, all over you like a powerful moss? <laughs> <laughs> or, or other metaphors. Yeah. Okay, that's quite an interesting point as well. So it's, it's kind of picking and choosing the, the things you go for most as well rather than just kind of Whereas perhaps a few years ago, maybe, you know, you get your PR agency and you'd expect them to kind of throw everything that comes, you know, that comes in your way as soon as you can so you can react to it. Now it's more of a case of picking and choosing the right things rather than everything. Exactly. And um, it's just um, a higher level of um, strategic advice, really, and um, and being that filter. Mm. So 
so the client's uh, time is, is spent as, as efficiently as, our, as ours is, is being spent as well. Yeah. And how do you find that affects the relationship with, with the client? Is it a closer relationship that you generally form with clients by working in that kind of more fluid way? I think, I think that's right, Sam. Um, I mean, I guess it, you know, I'm looking at my, back at my career and um, I started as an account coordinator, obviously, in my kind of late 20s. Those are the days. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> of uh, endless spreadsheets and having to explain myself as to why a formula wouldn't work and things like that. Um, but um, so I think, but I've always, I guess I've always had that approach of clients anyway, thinking about it. I've always looked for that human connection because because mm. it's actually pe- quite painful if you, if you don't have that anyway. Yeah. And, and you know, um, been around in, in the industry um, I am finding that I'm spending more time with clients mm. um, and I suppose that's a natural progression really because I'm, I'm kind of obviously the wider team are doing more of the, the the kind of execution of the media relations and things like that yeah but yeah no it's, I, it does definitely feel like quite organically that that's how we operate okay great Okay, so we've covered um, a bit about relationships with clients. We've talked about kind of how PR has changed and and how things like budgets have come into everything. Mm -hmm. Um, But now I want to ask you a bit about the more kind of tactical execution, execution side of enterprise PR. So um, perhaps a traditional view of enterprise IT PR would be, you know, a lot of product news, a lot of press releases, that kind of thing. Um, And, you know, we know from working in this industry that journalists certainly today aren't was willing to just write, you know, cover a press release as perhaps they were 10 years ago. So mm. when you're talking with clients and advising them and planning, um, you know, for the next six months or so, how does, how has that changed basically? How has the focus on whether it's press releases or other types of content, how has that changed over, you know, the last couple of years and, and do you see it changing more in the future? So, yeah, I think, I mean, the press release is a kind of crux for many and you know while you might see the odd tweet saying um oh you know the press release is dead and Mm. things like that it's actually useful in some contexts um if you're doing something interesting Mm. so for example if you're running an event on um how you know block blockchain can help the developing world or something something that's actually got human impact to it then you'll often get journalists will come along but because they're so time poor and they they want to see something written down that they can refer back to and quote in their article rather than you know the days of having a pen and paper and writing up your entire piece and going back and getting the typewriter out you know lighting your cigar Mm -hmm. and um as I was doing last week, I have to say, but that's, that's another story. Um, so, so then if you, if you kind of fly by the seats of your pants and think, oh yeah, we'll do this event, people will turn up and they'll write something sen- um, sensical about what went on and they'll remember all the important things like that, you can't take that for granted. Mm-hmm. So you actually need, if you support your messaging out there as key points of what you would like people to take away. Um, and likewise you know if you're doing a research project which demonstrates um a business need for what you're doing so your product is addressing that then you you know you we don't obviously we know we can't expect journalists to wade through a big long document yeah um 
and so you'd need to bring out the salient points in a media alert but that's something that we often kind of suggest particularly around say like a global piece of research that you know perhaps legal would take it would take too long to get a uk specific data uh, press release approved so we would suggest like a more of a light touch media alert with the key points in Mm -hmm. that doesn't have so much red tape around it and then that's um that those kind of things are the most successful Mm. um because it's local data but the traditional product release again um you know for the for some of the kind of more granular trade press then a technical release is you is useful to them yeah however generally speaking it has to be built into a wider campaign um of something that's human centered Mm -hmm. and as i kind of mentioned earlier demonstrates why people should care ultimately with some other validation as well so whether that's a customer or an analyst for example Mm -hmm. who can actually provide insight into the market and why your product's going to make a difference or why it's ahead of the curve um and, and and supported by some stats as well i think that's kind of like a, a great combination and perhaps even then launched in in conjunction with an industry event um means you're going to get footfall anyway mm. and uh, so uh, in 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 short i i think i went through a phase of, of of saying the press release was dead or trying to start the rumor it was dead <laughs> <laughs> for my own selfish benefit but then actually realizing that it's it's not dead but you just need to know what purpose it's serving and right. if it's not ser- if it's if it's not serving a news driven purpose then it shouldn't be a press release it should be something else okay yeah and perhaps something a part of a one spoke in a wider strategy yes yeah okay um all right then great so last one for you then Emma so we spoke earlier about how kind of PR has become more sales driven with more directly sales driven with more commercially minded people coming into the teams so how I'm sure I'm sure you've worked with clients in the past. I'm sure a lot of people have where, you know, if perhaps a company misses its mark one one month or one quarter, then PR kind of is something that gets dropped a bit and then more focus goes into the sales side of things. So why in actual fact do you think it should be the opposite of that? Or do you think it should be the opposite of that? I think it's yeah, it's it's often PR is often, you know, when when if you think for example a a company's not doing too well financially and the auditors come in mm-hmm. the first thing one of the first thing they do is look at their suppliers say right we don't need that we don't need that what's that what's pr give them a call how much <laughs> <laughs> so um uh that kind of goes on and so it's not a surprise and things like that happen yeah when there's other forces at play. Mm. But I think it's quite a short-sighted approach. Okay. I mean, I'm not a CEO yet. <laughs> One day. <laughs> God knows I've tried. <laughs> but um, I think if you, if you cut off the kind of external audience and batten down the hatches, mm. then you're just going to spiral into this self-referential kind of, aren't we great, but we have no third-party validation and again, you know, I, I think there are questions around PR 
in terms of when it's the right time for a business to take it on. Yeah. So I think that's important. I don't, I don't think that PR um, can help everyone, um, particularly if, um, if you've got internal frictions to work out and you've got a lot of stakeholders with a lot of different opinions about it. Yeah. Okay. I think it's important to kind of get your house in order mm. and, and uh, on, on, on what you think about PR before you instruct an agency. Um, but then once you have the right formula, I think, I think in the longer term, it's important to not lose sight of, of the market and, and, and what your, what your story is really. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I think it helps keep everyone on the same page and aligned to the same goals. And it's kind of, should kind of be obviously in, intrinsically linked with the business objectives. Yeah. So yeah, I think maybe that's maybe short term, short term to kind of get rid of PR. Mm. And, 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 and if you have the luxury of, of taking a step back and thinking, you know, should we look at the bigger picture here, then obviously I would say, you know, keep it to keep it. Yeah, great. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Emma. Some great insight there. Thanks, Sam. We'll be able to get you on again. Speak to my agent. We'll get in touch. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> So there we have it. In order for any PR partnership to be successful, enterprise IT businesses today have to think about what they want to get out of PR and be able to link activities back to wider business goals, while always being sure to engage target audiences in lots of different ways. If you'd like to hear more about the services we offer or how we can help you develop your PR and communication strategy, just visit our website or send us an email to hello at rlyl.com. And with that, it's goodbye from me. Thank you for listening to the Red Lorry, Yellow Lorry podcast. And as always, remember to keep on trucking.